0: every measurements to classify sizes of different things you have to know how big things are how tall are you how much do you weigh you got to know that so generally we split measurements into three basic systems measurements of length measurements of volume length would be like feet inches miles measurements of volume like fluid ounces gallons Um, liters in the metric system and measurements of weight um, ounces, pounds so sometimes people also there's other measurements you can measure time, we measure energy but focusing on measuring things now measurements are very necessary you build a house, how big is it going to be? you build a tool or some other Thing that you're going to build how big are you going to build it you want to draw plans you have to draw measurements you need measurements for it um, measurements are also very important for historical record you want to tell a story how big was it you got to be able to measure it you got to be able to describe it but it's most important in regulation in rules every society from early history had coins coins how big are the coins going to be Today, the coins are by fiat, and they're just papers, and they're not even coins, and they just have looked a certain way. But once upon a time, coins were based on a certain weight of silver. How much is it going to weigh? Or a certain weight of gold? It has to have a set weight. Land area, you own a property. How big is your property? Where does your land end? You need to know the size. You need sizes for everything. And then also sales. You go to the store, you want to buy some flour. Some sugar. How much are you buying? You want a pound of sugar, pound of flour. How much are you going to buy? There has to be some sort of weight or some sort of measurement to be able to buy a gallon of oil. How much are you going to buy? You have to be able to know how much you're buying. So you need um, weight, volume, size. Every society needs to have measurements. Today, most of the world outside of the United States, uses the metric system. The metric system is a decimal system where everything runs in tens, very easy to calculate. Here in the United States, um, not for official things, but for most common thi- uses, we use what's called the U.S. customary system, um, which is somewhat complicated. We have inches and feet for s- for size, and we have ounces and um, pints and gallons for volume, and we have ounces and pounds and tons for weight. It's a little complicated because you've got to remember that there's 5280 50 feet in a mile. Go figure that out, Andy. Remember 52 that? 80. 50 80, and you remember that? 5280. And you've got to remember that there's 64 ounces in a, ga- 64 ounces in a gallon. So you've got to... Try to change Yes. Yeah, so you've got yeah, to... 128, sorry, 128, thank you. 128 ounces in a gallon. See how hard it is to remember? So so, um, so it's a little bit more of a complicated system, but we have that measurement system. So every society and every place always had to have measurement systems. Now what happened over time is measurement systems changed. And they always constantly change. The U.S. measurement system, which was based on an original British system, over time, the British system, later they moved to the metric system, but the British system was, over time, changed from the American system. So over time, and different places, systems change. And sometimes converting from one system to another system could be complicated, right? That's why you have, in ounces, we have the U.S. customary ounce, And then we have what we call the Troy ounce. There's a number of other types of ounces that all use the same term, but you've got to be able to convert from one system to the next. And sometimes it could be, yeah, sometimes it can be very fairly complicated. So, Judaism also always had its own measurement system. And the measurement system in Judaism goes all the way back to the Torah, to the Days of Moses, in the days of Moses, they built, for example, the Mishkan. The temple was built. We have very detailed description um, of what the temple looked like. And for everything, we have it in measurements, in size, in length. How big was it? And every single item in the temple. We're told exactly how large it was. Then we have different coins mentioned in the Torah. We're told the weights of all those coins. That we have volume for different things in the Torah. We're told those volumes. So they had, now many of these rules were not, many of these measurements were not just recorded for the historical record, but have important um, roles in Jewish law. Remember, we have 613 commandments. Many of those commandments have great detail. So many of those commandments involve very specific sizes and very specific measurements. So you need to know those biblical and those what we could call Jewish measurements in order to know how to fulfill, fulfill the rules. Take, for example, you're not allowed to eat on Yom Kippur. Everyone knows that. How much can you not eat on Yom Kippur? If you ate a crumb, does that count? So we don't eat anything. We don't even eat crumbs. But if you did, did you break Yom Kippur? No. You've got to eat. How much do you need to eat on Yom Kippur for it to count as eating? Or we're told you're not allowed to eat chametz, leavened bread on Passover. How much leavened bread can't you eat on Passover to count as having eaten leavened bread on Passover? A crumb? No, you can't eat. You can't. Well, we don't eat any. But how much would be considered having eaten, having broken the rule? Any, even a crumb? It is a different thing. So I'm not going to get into details. That's when it gets mixed up. Yeah. But how much but When you come There's no. When it gets mixed up. No... So when it when it gets mixed in. What if you ate a crumb? Did you break Passover? Did you break the rules? Not necessarily. How about Sorry? So you're not allowed to, I should be clear, you're not allowed to eat a crumb. You're not allowed to eat a crumb on Yom Kippur either. Um, that's debated whether the Torah prohibits that or it's rabbinic prohibition. But to actually having broken the rule um, for which the punishment of either, either eating chametz on Passover or eating on Yom Kippur is karet, being cut off, your soul gets cut off from God, you have to eat a certain size, a certain amount. Then we're told to eat matzah on Passover, about the Seder. Torah tells you, you got to eat matzah. How much matzah do you have to eat to count as eating matzah? Can you eat a crumb of matzah? Does that count? How much matzah do you need to eat? You ne- uh, you need an amount. Now, how about four cups of wine at the seder? How much wine do you have to drink? Does a little shot glass work? Do you need a big goblet? How much do you need to drink on Passover? How how big do those four cups have to be? Or you make Kiddush and Havdalah. How big does it have to be? Moving away from food, on Rosh Hashanah, you blow a shofar. How big does that shofar have to be? On Sukkot, you're going to shake your lulav and your etrog. How big does the lulav have to be? How big does the etrog have to be? Is there a maximum size? How about your sukkah? Is there a minimum or maximum size for the sukkah? Is there the schach, the covering over the sukkah? How much can there be even the slightest space? How big can the spaces between the coverings be? Is there a minimum? Is there a maximum? Yes. The answer is yes to all of these questions. How about a mikveh? Mikvah is the pool that you have to go in to become ritually pure and still used today um, for women after their nida, their menstrual cycle, how much water does a mikveh have to hold for Mm -hmm. it to count? Sorry? There is a measurement. There is a measurement, absolutely. Even the measurement of silver matters. Um, If you have a firstborn child who is neither a Kohen nor a Levite, who is an Israelite, Yisrael, um, they must be exchanged or you must give a Kohen, Five silver shekels to exchange for that child. It's a ceremony called the Pidyon Habed, Redeeming Your Firstborn Son, that we do when a child is 30 days old. Very important ceremony. Um, So maybe that's a topic for another class. So you need five shekels. How much how much is five shekels? How much is a shekel? Well, you've got to know how much is a shekel. How about, there's a mitzvah called challah. Challah is often the term used for the loaves that we eat on Shabbos. But the original term was actually for whenever you make, challah means a loaf in Hebrew, when you make, in biblical Hebrew, when you make a loaf of bread, you have to always separate a piece that in biblical, in temple times was given to a Kohen. today gets burned, you throw it into the fire. Today we just throw it into the oven. It has to get burnt. So how much, how big of a loaf is a loaf? And how, very good, the loaf of five pounds. And how much, how much has to be taken? For the, how much do you have to separate? So you need for everything in Judaism, there are sizes and there are measurements. How much are they? So we're gonna look a little bit at our different Jewish measurements for length, for weight, and for volume. And as we're gonna note, the three can be measured against each other. And that's similar to our ability today to use our liquid, um, or our uh, volume measure, weight measures, and um, length measures, and measure them against each other. This works beautifully in the metric system where um, 10 cubed centimeters is a um, liter and the weight of a liter of water sorry? Ten, 10 by a thousand cube centimeters. Yeah, ten centimeters by ten centimeters by ten centimeters. Thank you. Is a um, is the is the is a liter, and the weight of a liter of water is one kilogram, right? So the three are all interconnected, and so we also have. And I'm not even certain what they are in our U.S. customary system. There's also a way you can convert from one to another, and um, but it's the numbers are with many decimal points, uh, many decimals, many numbers after decimal point, and. Um, and the same is also in Judaism. There is a way, there's an easy way to convert from one to another. And therefore, once you know one, you could figure out the others. Now, as we'll see in Judaism, many of these measurements are, um, involve the human body um, or other common things that are commonly found. Now, it should be made. I'm going to pass these out as I continue. Um, take one and pass them down. Um, now, it should be pointed out that it doesn't mean it's the size of a specific part of your body. Take, for example, the foot. How big is a foot? It's not exactly the size of your foot. It's around the size of your foot. If you're trying to measure the size of a room because you want to put, you want to get a cupboard or so, you want to get furniture and you want to measure the size of a, your room, you could walk the room with your feet. We've probably all done that before. You get a pretty good rough estimate of the size of the room. Um, but it's not accurate because a foot is a standard size, not the size of any given foot. So the same is also going to be in Judaism. When we use sizes in the Jewish sizes, when we use Jewish measurements that are things in our bodies, they're not exactly um, they're not exactly the same um, they're not exactly the size of those things in our bodies, but it's an, an average. it's about. So I'm just going to go through them quickly. Just. <laughs> <laughs> Never just okay. Never mind. Did I make a mistake here? No, I just. Yeah. The numbers are weird. Okay. I so, got a map. Okay, so so here are our measures of weight. So we have in the weight, we have at the very smallest, we have the geira. Six geira make a zoos. Two zoos make a shekel. Shekel. Two shekels make a cella. Now, the Torah uses the term shekel. There's a biblical shekel. The biblical shekel is not the same as the shekel used later in Judaism. The biblical shekel is the same as the sela. So that could be a little confusing. So when the Torah says, give five shekels to redeem your firstborn child, it means five sela because it's the largest size shekel. Um, Very good question. So go go over those again. One, uh, six geira in a zoos, six six geira in a zoos, two zoos in a shekel, two zoos in a shekel, two shekels, two shekels in a cella, 25 cella in a mane, and 60 mane in a kikar. Then we have measures of length. Now, the measures of length, they're all Hebrew names, but they actually follow our bodies very much. Um, The first one that we have is an etzpah. The etzpah literally means finger, but it's the width of your thumb. It's the average width of a thumb. Then we have the size for etzpah width, width width of your thumb. Width of your thumb. Right? Then, etzpah. Is there like an actual... Etzbah. Measurement. No, just the, the width of your thumb. Then there are four etzpah. There are four etzpah in a tefach. A tefach is a fist. The width of the fist from end to end. Okay. Now there are six tefach in the ama. The ama is the length of your arm from elbow to the end of your finger. An average. It's not exact. Cubit. Yes. Cupid is a common translation. Arm to fingertip, right? Arm to fingertip. Now, it's not exact, remember, right? It's not your arm necessarily. It's an average. It's about that size. Then there are 2,000 amma in a mil. There are four mil in a parsa. And then there are 10 parsa in what we call a day's journey. Day's journey. Sorry. The mill. What is that equivalent to in volume? No. A no, no, no. Mill is much bigger. It's it's huge, right? A mill's a, a more than a half a mile. So then we have then we have in volume. First we have the k'zayit. The k'zayit means the size of an olive. The size of an olive. Uh, now there are two olives in a beitzah. In the size of an egg. There are six eggs in a log. Log doesn't match anything we know of. There are four log in a cav. There are six kav in a sa'a. And there are three saa in an apha. Sorry? It's all over the place. Well, similar to our um, U.S. customary system, not very much like the metric system. The metric system was quite revolutionary, but it was kind of this original um, system. Now, if we follow this chart, we can resolve a lot of the questions about the Torah's sizes. Most food rules involve the size of a kezayat. So how much chametz breaks the rules of chametz on Pesach, Passover? A kezayat, an olive size. Which is pretty close, as we're going to soon see, pretty close to our ounce. So about an ounce. Um, it's a liquid ounce, not a weight ounce. We have liquid measures ounces and we have weight ounces. It's a liquid ounce, right? This is a volume. How much pa- uh, matzah do you have to eat on Passover? The same. About an ounce. Liquid ounce of, of matzah. So so it's, it's, a, a, it's, a, it's again about the same. Kezait, yes. How much, how much flour do you need or how big does your loaf have to be to have to separate challah? So it actually has to be quite large. It has to be a tenth of an eifah. An eifah an eifa is 54 pounds. A tenth of an eifah is 5.4 pounds. So you need to have 5.4 pounds of flour in your loaf. To separate challah. If it's less, we still separate the challah, but we do not make the blessing if you have less than 5.4 pounds. So we don't have any of these measurements. So how do we get (laughs) consistency? What do you mean? How do you get. How do we know how big they are? You know how big they are each time, and how do you. Excellent question. Excellent question. I'm going to get to that. Very good. So now the mikveh, we asked how big. Um, the mikveh is, the mikveh has to be 40 se'ah. So the size of a mikveh, the se'ah um, is 18 pounds. Uh, um, it's, sorry, in volume. I, I, I made a mistake here. It should be in volume, not, not in pounds. Um, it shouldn't be 18 pounds. I, I made a mistake here. In my, I, I did the bottom one. Um, it should be in volumes uh, in gallons so it's 12 ounces times figure it out it's 288 um, 288 ounces which would be divided by 128 so it's a little over um, would be one sa'ah which would be a little over um, almost two gallon so you're talking about close to 80 gallon for the mikvah So on the bottom here, this is not pounds, this is all pounds. Yes, I know I you know I, I messed this up. So I've got to redo this. Yeah, no, you're right. It should have been gal. i I I confused them. The fluid and the um yeah, it was like and the, the weight. What? <laughs> yes. Sorry? No, it should be sorry, I, I, I made that mistake. Clear. Yes. The top one should be um Yeah. Seventeen. Sorry? Yeah, so the, the key car the key car would be a thousand and twenty um, ounces, which divided by sixteen would be sixty three pounds. So at the bottom of the key car where it says ounces, it should be sixteen pounds. It should be sixty three point seven five pounds. About where it says measures of weight, ounces. Where I wrote eight gallon, that's a mistake. It should be sixty-three point seven five pounds. And then at the bottom of the volume, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Where it says ounces, yeah. And kika, where it said, I wrote eight gallon, it should be sixty-three point seven five pounds. I take that back. Seven pounds. And where it says, um, where it says the afa, it should be. Um,
1: it's, it's the bottom
0: one, right? Bottom. Sorry? is yeah. the bottom one you're talking about now. Yeah. Okay. So the AFA is 864 um, fluid ounces, which would be divided by 128, which would be 6.75, sorry, 6.75 gallons. Instead of 54? Would be the AFA, would be 6.75 gallons. And then... Um, And then the sa'a ah would be 2.25 gallons. I'm sorry, how much? 2.25 gallons. Five gallons. gallons? yes. Take that back. Okay, sorry about that. And then sorry the kav? Uh, the kav would be... Um, well, it would be 48 ounces, which would be less than a gallon. 48 ounces. Fluid ounces. Yeah, fluid ounces. Yeah, I'm mixed up. I apologize. Okay, so how much would you need then um, for a Pidyon haben for redeeming the first son? So you need to have five sela. Five sela is the amount you would need to redeem the first, your firstborn son. So now, so we have these sizes. We have this, these Jewish sizes. I apologize. I'll, I can make new, new ones for next week with the correct. I knew I made a mistake somewhere. So I thought I would find someone that already had a chart, but I couldn't find any online. Not in English, at least. So, um, and they're all in... Um, the ones I found were all in the metric system. And so I translated. Nobody puts it in this system, but I knew nobody here would follow the metric system. So I translate it from the metric system. That's where I made my mistakes. Okay, sorry about that. So anyway, let's, let's get back to our story. So we Jews have always followed these sizes. So we needed these sizes for many important Jewish things. We always needed to know these sizes. The length sizes, the weight sizes, the volume sizes. We always needed all of these things. Um, We didn't always have excellent tools to measure them, but we always needed these sizes. And we always used these sizes. Back in Talmudic times, they still had tools that actually used, they used to measure measurement tools to use these specific Jewish sizes. And that's because we lived in very Jewish societies. Um, But then over time, we moved to societies that had other measurements, other measurement tools. They used other forms of measurement. So, and this was even true to some extent, even in Talmudic times, they lived among Romans. Romans had their own form of measurement. We lived among Persians. Persians had their own forms of measurements. And so often we would translate our measurements, convert our measurements into (coughs) other measurements as well. And over the years, many Jewish scholars converted based on our tradition of what our measurements are. They would write the conversions to current measurements of whatever they would be. Um, over the courses, um, in different places, people diff- use different converted measurements, and Jewish communities always had standards. How much matzah you're going to eat on Passover was a common one. How big does your mikveh have to be was a common one. A lot of things that are very commonly in use within Jewish life you need to know. How large are they? And they always use wherever they were, they said it and convert it to their common measurements to know how big they had to be. Now well, thank you. Where'd you get that from? Google. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't trust anything you read on Google. You've got to double-check it. Conversion chart, historical capacity and volume equals biblical and polluted dry measure, old test. And it converts it to both metric and... I didn't look at it yet, but my guess is they're inaccurate. I'm not going to jump to conclusions, but I, in, in my searching for a chart, in my searching for a chart yesterday, um, trying to come find the chart, till I made my own, um, many of the charts on the internet are inaccurate. Okay. It's on the internet. be Yes. Not all of them, but many of them. I wasn't able to find one. Okay. Well, I will let you know. Okay. I will let you know now. Let's continue with our story. Then, in the seventeen oh, hundreds, in the seventeen hundreds <laughs> in Prague, okay. in the seventeen hundreds in Prague, one of the the rabbi of Prague at the time was the famous rabbi Betsalel Landau. Rabbi Betsalel Landau was um, one of the most famous um, rabbis of his period. Prague was, of course, one of the largest Jewish communities. And Rabbi Landau um, published a book called Tzion LeNefesh Kaya, or known usually by the acronym Tzlach, um, and a very famous book on commentary on the Talmud. And over there, he writes as follows: that he was um, curious; he wanted to, he wanted for his congregants, he wanted to tell them how much flour they would require in order to, in a loaf, in order to have to separate challah. Everyone always knew it was a fairly large amount. Larger than a normal loaf of bread. Um, so, how big would it have to be in order to need, to, in order for this requirement to separate the challah? So, 16 cups. sorry. 15, 16 cups. So, how big does it have to be? So, we the the amount that it has to be to separate challah is, as we've said, a um, tenth of an eifah, a tenth of an afa of flour. Um and so a tenth of an apha of flour we know is um an apha is um four hundred and thirty-two eggs. 400. Eggs beta right? Oh. Four hundred the apha is four hundred and thirty-two beta. Right? Look at your chart, you'll see the apha is four hundred and thirty-two beta. Mm-hmm. A tenth of an apha The afa at the bottom on the volume, the afa is 432 beta. right? Beitzahs are eggs. Right. So the afa is 432 x. So a tenth of an afa is 43.2 x. So Rabbi Landau decided he was going to actually test it to see if the amount that they always had was accurate. So he tested it. It's very easy to test. What did he do? He took 43.2 eggs, or he had, to average, he, probably, he had to average, he had to do the math afterwards. Took whatever number of eggs it is to see the average size of an egg and then add it up. Um, put it in a cup of water. See how much water was displaced, a full cup of water at the top. See how much water, how much liquid, how much volume of water was displaced by the average egg. And so he discovered that 43.2 eggs displaces a little bit under a bohemian pint. (laughs) Now, he lived in Bohemia. Bohemia was the country Prague was the capital of in the 1700s. Now, the bohemian pint is about two-thirds of our gallon today. Um, It's not the same as our pint. Bohemian pint. He found it's a little bit less in the Bohemian pint, which he actually noted was very close to the size that had been used in Prague, the size that kind of the community had been using until <coughs> his time, um, based on instruction of his predecessor, Rabbi Yomtev Littman Heller, also a very famous, rabbi, um, from the, um, very famous rabbi from the 1600s who said that it was exactly this Bohemian pint. He found it to be a drop smaller. His eggs were maybe a little bit smaller than ones he was using, using to measure with, and that kind of fit their tradition. But then he tried, then he tried something else. Then he tried something else. If you uh, read the Jewish sources, there's a correlation between length and volume in um, Jewish sizes. And the size of a tenth of an apha is seven and seven-ninths of an etzpa, of a thumb, cubed. So, th- times three. Okay? So, seven and seven-ninths times... No, times itself three times. Sorry. Thank you. Seven and seven-ninths of a thumb cubed. So, he actually did that. He measured a container that was seven, um, seven thumbs... Seven and seven-ninths of a thumb by seven-seven-ninths of, of a thumb a cubed, and um, he measured this container, see how much liquid it holds, and poured it into poured it into um, the Bohemian measurements, and he discovered that this container actually holds two pints. So he's now discovered that this seems to be an inaccuracy the volume measures based on the common egg is half of the measure that it's supposed to match based on length now we actually know that he wasn't the first one to discover this inaccuracy, it was already discovered a few hundred years earlier and others had noted it, but he was the first one to make a clear note of it and to publish it and he was the one that really kind of let everybody know, Jewish scholars know that there's this inaccuracy here. And so he came to the conclusion, Rabbi Lando, who was one of the most um, important Jewish scholars in the last <coughs> few hundred years, um, and he, he came to the conclusion one of two things must have happened over our history. Either our eggs have gotten half the size of what they were in biblical and Talmudic times, or Yeah, So eggs have gotten a lot smaller, one possibility. Or humans have gotten a lot bigger over time. One of two possibilities. And so, his conclusion was as follows. He says, humans could not have gotten bigger over time. Now, bigger we mean, this is a little complicated mathematically, if in volume... The the um, the length has the size has to be doubled, right? In other words, the eggs are half the size they are today. In order to match that up in length, it would have to be one and a quarter, okay? Because one point two five cubed equals two. You could do the math yourself. 1.25 times 1.25 times 1.25 equals 2. So humans would have to be, have grown by a quarter, or in other words, you would have to say that humans in biblical times were 20% smaller, right? Because a quarter of 1.25, right, is 0.25, would be 20% smaller than humans today. Now, if that doesn't sound like a big deal, because we know, so yeah, for short people and tall people, people come in different shapes and sizes, the average person today, um, in those days we know was three to four inches smaller, um, going back to the 1700s, but the average person today is about 5.7 or 5.8 um, feet high, is the average height today, right? If, so if you would go down 20% of that, that would put people at under four and a half feet. Right? It's a very big difference. The average, the average person would be at four and a half feet. It's a huge difference. So, Rabbi Lando... But you're measuring from the 17th century to the 16th century, right? What about in biblical times? We're measuring from the 17th century, when he was measuring from his time, back to biblical times. His time, if today it's about 5.8, Seven five point eight is the average human height. Um, then it was a little bit shorter. It was more like five point three, five point four. People then would have been a little, on average, a little over four feet. We're talking about so a we big went, difference. We went to a, a site and go and somebody's home from, I guess, biblical times, and the doorways. You could tell people were much shorter. That's a very good point. Um, he wasn't aware of that, and um, that would be. <laughs> That would be that would be circumstantial evidence, though the fact that someone has a short doorway doesn't prove anything, right? So, but that's a fair point. Fair point. Much shorter. uh, I think actual measured data that we have shows that people have grown on average in Western countries have grown about three to four inches on average over um, the last two hundred years since the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. Perhaps. Um, that could be but the the changes are smaller than you think but a change of if people then were 20% shorter than they are today we're talking about a huge difference in height it's not just a slight difference like the difference you see between one person and the next today we're talking about people were much much shorter so Rabbi Landau had trouble accepting that people. He says it cannot be that there was such a big difference between the size of people, and therefore, <laughs> therefore, he said the culprit must be in the egg. They had a different breed of chickens back then, and their chicken eggs were double the size of our chicken eggs today. Why would now, <laughs> now Rabbi Landau had a big. Rabbi Landau's conclusion led to a big problem. Because if the egg is double the size, if the egg is double the size, then all of our Jewish rules have to be double the size. So, if, for example, you need to eat a half egg of matzah on Passover, instead of it being one fluid ounce, you're now eating two fluid ounces of matzah. Now that's a lot of matzah to eat at your Seder. You're going to be eating quite a bit of matzah, two fluid ounces of matzah. That's about the size of those large shmurah matzahs, those large round matzahs. It's a lot of matzah to eat. People weren't eating that much. If you're going to double the size of what people were at the time used to, what Jews had been doing, so... Instead of uh, for Kiddush, the amount of wine you need for Kiddush or for the four cups on pa- of Passover is a quarter of a log. A log is 12 fluid ounces. A quarter of a log, three fluid ounces, which is about three and a half ounces of wine, right? Because wine, um, wine is a little bit um, heavier than water. And so you need three and a half fluid ounces of wine. So, uh, uh, three and a half. So, yeah. Uh, sorry, three. Sorry, three fluid ounces of, um, three and a half in weight, but three fluid ounces of wine. So, instead of three fluid ounces, you would need to have six fluid ounces of wine. Now, most Kiddush cups at the time were less than six fluid ounces. So that means throwing out all those silver goblets that some families had for generations. Forget about how much wine you're making people drink at the seder, right? So you run into all these problems. You run into an even you run into further problems for challah. Instead of needing about five pounds of flour for challah, you're going to need about ten pounds of flour before you make challah. Who uses? Who makes? any amount of bread, 10 pounds, unless you're in a bakery. Who's are You're talking about two big bags of flour to use in your bread, right? Well, it's going to be multiple loaves in the same dough. You could still make the, separate the chal. But who makes that much? So you're really increasing the sizes quite dramatically. But what do you do? With there, clearly, there's a, there's a discrepancy over here. Either humans got Bigger, uh, bigger over time, or the eggs got smaller. Which one is it? It depends on the chicken. Depends on the chicken. Some chickens lay little eggs. and some. So we actually debated this question for quite some time. We spent 200 years debating this question. Most Jews... Um, Most Jews continued doing what they were doing. Most rabbis say, just do what you did till now and didn't change, despite Rabbi Landell's discovery. Some, though, and many did change and started eating more matzah and drinking more wine. However, in the 20th century, a discovery was was made that allowed us to mostly resolve the question. I mentioned earlier that many Jewish scholars throughout the generations converted their... Um, the Jewish measurements to whatever measurements were existed at the time to the measurements that they had at the time Maimonides lived in the 1100s in Egypt he died in 1204 so he lived in the 1100s in Egypt we're going back 900 years he lived 900 years ago Now, he wrote conversions for the Jewish measurement system into the measurements of his day for people of his time to be able to use it. And he was we see he was he studied Jewish measurements quite extensively. And he writes these are this is the norm. This is what Jews have been keeping for ever. Remember, he's in Egypt living about 600 years after the completion of the Talmud, not far geographically, in a community that had been around from biblical times in Egypt. Right? It was a community that had been around been, uh, continued continuously through um, biblical times. So he writes that the size of a quarter log of water, log is a volume, uh, liquid volume, a quarter log of water will weigh 27 drams. Dram was a commonly used Arabic weight that is still in use in p- p- big parts of the Arab world. Commonly used Arabic weight. And used, now, and used in pharmaceuticals. still used today in pharmaceuticals. Okay. Now the dram, the dram, of course, like every measure, like the ounce and every other measure, changed over years and was different in different countries. You got to know. But he was talking about the Egyptian dram in the eleven hundreds. But now, like every weight system used in the world, that weight system is used in coins, of course, right? The original British pound weighed a pound, right? That's why it was called the pound. It weighed a pound of silver. It was heavy, right? Big coin. But that's what it was. The original British pound was a pound of silver. That's how it got the name. So, so, and so the, the, uh, in, in Arabic countries, they had drams as well. And the dram was also a monetary unit. There were coins that were called drams. So you can get today, we have them. They're in museums. They're in collectors. Uh, collectors have them. You could get 12th century Egyptian drams. So a Jerusalem scholar in the 20th century, uh, mid-20th century, called Rabbi Avram Chaim Na'eh, he found um, Egyptian drams from the 12th century. And he weighed them. And weighing the Egyptian drams and seeing how much they weigh, and then translating that into the loaves of water, um, in, uh, he was able, he came to the clear conclusion that the logue indeed weighs 12 ounces. Quarter of a logue, 3 ounces. Um, based on if you use Maimonides' measurements. So clearly, Maimonides believed, who, did, who lived. 900 years ago clearly his measurements match the measurements that Jews have had historically before Rabbi Landau discovered the, the inconsistency in the 1700s therefore we must conclude and there is since a lot of archaeological evidence to back that um, we therefore must conclude that yes indeed our eggs today are very similar in size to eggs the way, the size they were in biblical times. The olive size was indeed an ounce. The average egg was about two ounces, um, which is similar today, actually. The commercial eggs, large, extra large eggs that you buy are somewhat larger. Uh, But we've, over the years, they weren't the natural eggs. We we breed chickens to make bigger eggs today. But um, the egg, indeed, the way it's been historically hasn't changed that much. Um, but humans indeed have changed quite dramatically. And humans by the 1700s were indeed close to, and it's its actually a little bit less, but close to 20% um, taller and larger than they were in biblical times. And indeed there's quite... There's quite a lot of archaeological evidence for that. So based on that knowledge that we have today, we know the size of humans. We also, we've discovered biblical shekels today. And um, we have um, pretty strongly um, proven the size of our um, biblical measurements. um, And that's what I wrote, although I made some mistakes. Um, I wrote those sizes um, at the bottom, so you'll know the exact size of how many inches, um, how many feet um, for the length, how the weight um, in ounces and pounds and the um, volume measures and so we actually can have accurate measures and we know how large those things were in our common measures today and interestingly the kezai the olive size is almost actually a drop less but it's almost equal to our common ounce, that, the ounce that we have today um. sorry? our fluid ounce, it's almost, it's a fluid size. It's almost equal to our fluid ounce today. Um, So we, uh, it's like .98 of a fluid ounce, It's, it's very close. Uh, So we, but we do know the measurements, we do know them accurately. We also, and they're very important to Judaism, but we also know, um, in addition to these measurements, we've also been able to conclusively prove from these measurements that humans have grown, at least Jews, we don't know about the rest of the world, right, (laughs) Jews have grown, um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) have grown over time, and we are, or we were then, we're even larger today, we were clo- um, close to 20% larger um, than we were in biblical times. Um, so that answers our question, Has human, have human grown Sorry.